to another edition of Welcome to the Mad Max Minute. Pat, I'd like to solve the puzzle, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 40, which begins with Max watching the wheels spin and it ends with Auntie looking quite satisfied. We are joined this week by Andy Nelson and Steve Sarmento from the Next Real Film Podcast. How are you gentlemen doing? Hey there. Thanks for having us on. We're excited to be here. Yes, it's uh, thrilling to talk about a movie I didn't get a chance to talk about when Andy and Pete did it on their series. So this is my opportunity to weigh in on this. I'm very excited to be here. Now, just for people that maybe haven't heard you before, real quick, tell us a little bit about the next real film podcast. Basically, it's a it's a movie podcast. We pick a movie each week and we talk about it in great depth. We spoil the heck out of it. It's just a, a very in-depth conversation and we build them in different series. We're just about to start a, movie, a series of time travel films, uh, you know, just kind of a whole variety of of things uh, all across the span of the cinematic universe. So it's it's a fun show. And then we do monthly sh- series like the film board where we talk about a film that just opened uh, and Steve's uh, helping out on that one, plus some other shows that we do. And I think it was, what, two, three years ago that you went over the whole Mad Max series? It was. It was right when Fury Road was coming out, and we timed it so we'd, we'd cover the first three films um, and then hit uh, Fury Road when it hit theaters. So, And that was just a, a fantastically fun series. But yeah, it's been like... I guess about three years now that we talked about the films. So I'm looking forward to digging in again. It's hard to believe it's been that long. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> but then again, with 30 years between the third and the fourth movies, who are we to complain about three? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Speaking of greater detail, we're going to start off minute 40. We are watching shadows just dance across Max's face as this wheel spins before him. And the next shot we get is a lovely observation of all of the different punishment options just rolling on by the screen. There are 10 different punishment options to choose from. Yes. Because I seemingly have in equal measure too much and yet not enough time on my hands, (laughs) I thought it would be fun to get the best screenshot of this wheel that I could, throw it into Photoshop, and using the angle measurements that happen whenever you drag vectors across the screen. you did? You did? I was looking online for something like this. I am so excited. Okay. Yeah. So I was able to... Using those angles and drawing them out on a piece of paper. People who have been keeping an eye on the Mad Max Minute Facebook and Instagram account might have seen this, oh, however many weeks ago. We're pre-recording this so often that it's hard to remember when these things are actually just coming out in relation to when we record them. But anyway, you have seen my hand-drawn drawing of how many degrees along the arc each slice takes up and by extension what percentage probability you have of getting each outcome you're a data nerd like me i love this because <laughs> i i thought somebody there there are diehard fans out there that somebody has to have gone in and thought okay what's his probability of getting each of these because as it spins past you can see that you know auntie's choice is a really big chunk but everything else you know sort of spins by quickly and you know what are his odds of you know getting death or life imprisonment so oh i'm i'm i can't wait to hear what you came up with <laughs> so auntie's choice is a rather large section if i remember correctly there's another rather large section on there too what's on that one mm-hmm. before i answer that do we want to go greatest probability to smallest probability or vice versa let's start with greatest because yes. it'll answer my question exactly first. okay Now, based on my calculations, and I will preface this by saying that the picture I found was not straight on. It was sort of an angled picture. Yes. So these are going to be estimations. And of course, the prop itself was not exact when they made it. But the highest probability chance for an outcome when you spin this wheel is hard labor with 14.4% chance of a result. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a yeah. big chunk right in well, there. Well, I have, oh, I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with the first one and we'll go from there. 
Well, my first question is, don't they realize that hard labor and the gulag are the same thing? Well, see, that's the thing. Not only is a work camp the same as hard labor, you've also got a punishment that just says underworld. Which is also hard labor. Right. Yeah, which are exactly. Yeah. That's what pig yes. killer is doing, right? Yeah. So really what I think is going on is that they need people to do this work. <laughs> and if the criminals are the only ones they can get to do it, then fine. Yeah. So why don't they just sentence people to hard labor? Well, but pig killer, he was sent he got life. Mm hmm. Right? Isn't that what he said? He got life. And I, so I thought maybe he got the life imprisonment, which he said, well, you know, down here, that's, you know, two or three years. So I didn't, I was wondering if he got hard labor, underworld, or life imprisonment, because it's not clear. The Does it all end up being the same thing, really? <laughs> yeah. It never occurred to me before that Pig Killer was sentenced by the wheel. Oh. I assumed that the designated punishment for killing a pig was life in Underworld. Right, oh, right. Okay, okay. Now it occurs to me that, oh, he probably had to face the wheel. As if when he walked into Bartertown, he sort of had a end-user licensing agreement where <laughs> upon entering Bartertown, you make a deal with Bartertown not to kill pigs. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. That makes me think about Pig Killer a little bit differently. I mean, I still think he's crazy. Well, yes, I, still I, I do still think he's crazy. <laughs> Aside from working in Underworld, being chained up like Pig Killer, I'm wondering about other interpretations of the term hard labor. Now, you know that they're essentially living in a quarry. That's the set, the brickworks where they built this. And so I imagine if Auntie has any aspirations of expanding Barter Town... Instead of building past the wall that they all made with mud and debris and probably burnt out car frames and whatnot, she might be having people just out in the hot sun with pickaxes chipping away at the quarry behind the wall. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I was thinking about that, too, because you also have, I mean, every one of her guards that she has, they all have outfits that are completely riddled with car parts. Which makes me think that that could be something else that's hard labor, going out into the into the field of abandoned cars and, and pulling them apart to, to make uh, armor and weapons. I imagine the whole idea of hard labor must come with the implication of working outside. Oh, okay. In yeah. the hot yes. sun. Right, All right. right. So that's the differentiation between hard labor and working in underworld. Right. Okay. Which, the more you guys are saying that, the more I'm thinking any city or town that seems to run smoothly, the average citizen has no idea how much work goes on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. yeah. The construction crews and the fire department and the medics and all these people, the government and the secretaries and the payroll people, how much work it takes to run a town or a city. And that's a town or city in modern society with all the infrastructure. Yes, this town has almost zero infrastructure, but it's got Auntie at the head who is a powerful politician type person. I hesitate to really call her a politician because she's <laughs> if you get down to it, I don't think she's that good at it, but... Of course she has aspirations of expansion. Now, what other kind of hard labor things do you gentlemen suppose would exist here in Bartertown? Well, it's, you know, just what you were just saying about this being a city and she's trying to build this community. People have got to go to the bathroom and I don't know if they have plumbing here. So it could be, that could be part of it. They've got a place to go to the bathroom and now they've got to kind of, those are, that's hard labor, you know, cleaning up the, uh, the stalls. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's a really yeah. good point, because if you don't uh, yeah. have somebody taking care of the human waste, everybody's going to get sick and die. Mm. Exactly. And you want to capture that waste for conversion to energy. I wonder if it converts as well as pig, uh, pig waste. <laughs> pig manure? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, my. No, there's, I mean... When you're in the when you're in the post-apocalyptic era, I mean, there, there's so many opportunities for you know just sort of slave labor and, and hard labor on things that we just don't even conceive of because we've got automated processes mm -hmm. for those those things. And you know, simple things is where's the water coming from? You know, is it coming from? Is there a well? Is it is it being pumped from someplace? Where where do they get? Where does Auntie get her clean water? Uh, because we know the readily accessible water is is radioactive. So. 
if if somebody's providing her with clean water, that's probably not something that's easily being pumped in. It's uh, probably acquired possibly through some very difficult means of either a long trek and journey to go find that or or, or mining or digging down uh, into aquifers to try to locate that water. So there, there's also, you know, the, the simple things. How do you how do you survive day to day? The things we take for granted, those could be, you know, the, the hard labor that people have to do just so that she has that basic level of civilization that she likes to tout you know, for, for Barter Town. When we first got to Barter Town and we got that long line of people walking mm -hmm. up to the main gate, one of the first small groups that we saw in that line was, I think, two or three individuals that were chained together. It's very possible that they were a hard labor crew yeah. being oh, yeah. brought back to home base after retrieving oh, something. Oh, yeah. I imagine when you don't have fuel and you need to retrieve a large vehicle, you just get a hard labor group together, yeah. chain them to the front of that vehicle and... <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, they're your makeshift camels. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and also, it's you know, it's uh, aside from figuring out what to do with water. I mean, they might also be sending people out to try finding other res other sorts of resources. You know, I mean. It Knowing that, I mean, obviously they don't know that these kids are, are X number of miles away with this this uh, oasis, but, you know, they probably are trying to find other survivors out there who have other communities where they can trade too. I don't know if that constitutes hard labor, but I'm sure that they are also finding ways to, uh, to access those people. I think when you're trying to punish someone, you can turn just about anything into hard labor. <laughs> exactly. Even if you're just harmlessly going out to scout, if there's someone there with a with a whip and a overpowering personality, <laughs> you make just about anything unbearable. <laughs> Along that same idea, I'm kind of surprised that no scouts from Bartertown had discovered the airplane. Yeah, right? And yeah. had completely stripped it for parts. It is a pretty large landmark. Yeah. Yeah, good point. If they're Because they would have all of its parts, they'd be wearing all of those parts. They yeah. clearly love wearing, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, everybody would be Everybody would be sitting in airline seats. Yes. Mm -hmm. That'd be fantastic. And everybody would automatically be more miserable. <laughs> So now here's a question. So life imprisonment, though. So does that not include hard labor? Are they just like in a prison, like in a cage somewhere? I have my suspicions about the life imprisonment one. There are actually two other options that come with higher percentages before life imprisonment. So okay. we'll put a pin in that. Okay. Because the next largest section with 14.2% chance of result is Auntie's Choice, which I'm assuming is a bit less heart-wrenching than Sophie's Choice, but that's an entirely <laughs> different thing. That's a totally different film, yeah. <laughs> Either way, I'm pretty sure it's Auntie's favorite option to see. You think so? Wheel. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I would think it'd be her least favorite. Really? The whole point of the wheel is to be random and to force this a guilty party to choose their own punishment, even if it's by force. <laughs> And if Auntie then has to choose it, that puts some level of responsibility on her. And I don't think she wants that kind of responsibility. And I don't know why it's even on the wheel. Hmm. Well, you have to think about how she's going to build her jazz band. You know, she may have acquired her saxophone player as Auntie's choice. And she's Ooh, slow, like slowly that. building her entourage that way. And, and she's able to <laughs> sort of assess these individuals, you know, that are in this deal that's been broken and say, is, is this somebody that she can leverage? Uh, because I think that's, I understand what you're saying about the responsibility of making these decisions, but she is shrewd enough that she could look at how she can manipulate that to her advantage of what can I use this person for? We see how she does that with Max of she needs somebody to do something for her. She can't get her hands dirty. And I see auntie's choice is possibly one way she can, she can also do that behind the scenes. I like the idea of her saxophone player <laughs> being a victim of auntie's choice. What was the deal? He busted. <laughs> now, let's put a hypothetical before. Let's say everybody has their own busted deal wheel that they're in charge of. Would you want an option on there that says your choice? Hmm. That's tricky. I, I I mean, I from from what Steve was saying, I, I can see that it would make sense where I if I have my ulterior motives that aren't on the wheel, that's absolutely what I'd be hoping for, because I'd be able to use that to get uh, what I was really wanting out of a situation. Yeah, I think Steve raised a really good point with the whole using people how you see fit and taking advantage of their specific skill set. I definitely understand, Julia, what you were saying with the whole, you know, that's 
a load of responsibility and suddenly you're in charge of it. But at the same time, if you observe two people in dispute and their deal breaks down and one of them has to face the wheel, you can turn around and come out ahead. You can inadvertently benefit from their misfortune. Or even you could say, well, my choice is one of these other options on the wheel. I've been thinking about it. And my very first answer was absolutely not. I do not want responsibility over anybody's punishment. But then I'm still thinking about that saxophone player. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And Auntie's ability to trust him, she seems very comfortable with him. And he's almost the only other person in the penthouse with her, Mm -hmm. but not quite. There's at least one guard in there with her. Maybe the guard's not there for her. Maybe the guard is there keeping an eye on the saxophone player because the saxophone player is a criminal and he's there as a punishment, as a servant. I don't want to split hairs too much, but let's not so quickly call everyone who breaks a deal a criminal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in their world, breaking a deal is a crime. That makes them a criminal. Okay, technically, yeah. Yeah. Hair double split. Yeah, this is barter town where everything is about trade and making deals. Uh, You know, whether you can spit and shake on it or not, uh, it seems like making a deal uh, is an important thing. And when when Max walks into town and has nothing to trade and barter, you know, he's a suspicious character because everybody knows barter town is the place where you come to make a deal. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that would be the ultimate law of if you break a deal... That's like the overriding concept of what Barter Town is, is you broker a deal to exchange goods or services, whether it's, you know, a bag of wheat or a woman for two hours for, for furs. It's, you know, the thing that this city is, is based on. So to me, I'd say, yeah, if you break a deal, there is no higher crime in, in Barter Town. I'm glad you brought up the fact that Max showed up without goods, because the third most likely option to show up is the forfeit goods option with a 12.5% chance. For someone like Max, who showed up without anything, I imagine the forfeit goods option would have been a minor setback. Yes, he would have lost all of his weapons, because those are technically goods that he came in with. I was going to say, he came in with more more guns than anyone else, so I mean, I think maybe he had more to lose (laughs) on that with his, his stockpile of ammunition and and firearms that he piles up. Yeah. That that could be quite a loss for him. It could be quite debilitating if you make your entire wasteland livelihood trading goods. Like, let's say you come in with a wagon full of grain or something like that. Yeah. And you are trying to make a deal with someone inside Barter Town and you break that deal for whatever reason. They could just take your entire cart of grain and then you've got nothing. Yeah. Okay. What if... Your trade good is working in the brothel, and you don't have anything but your own body and your own skills. And you don't have any Viagra, now you're in trouble. (laughs) I don't want to get into the amputation punishment just yet. We'll save that. What stands out to me about this option is that it just says forfeit goods. It doesn't specifically say you forfeit all of your goods. It could just be that you forfeit the goods involved in the deal. Oh, Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that seems fair. And in Max's case, the deal that he broke was kill someone or be killed. So the goods he would have to forfeit would be his own life. Or his murderous nature? (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to really say. Or the fruits of the deal. Oh, yeah. Which he's already forfeited by breaking the deal. Yeah. By revealing that it was was all uh, a... Setup. Oh, what is it? Yeah. A setup, right? That, yeah. that she had set this whole thing up. So, I mean, he, he pretty much broke it right away. But, uh, I mean, the deal, I mean, the secret deal, and I know it's different, but I mean, he had the deal with Auntie that she was going to help him get all of his camels and everything back in his rig. So, mm-hmm. I guess kind of he's forfeiting that as well. Yes. Any chance yeah. of getting any of that? Yeah. Yeah. Max is being punished, I think, a couple times over. Right. <laughs> There's a bit of overlap when, yeah, you, when you deal with the Yeah, by breaking the deal, he's already forfeiting the prize from the deal, and he has to face the wheel. Yes. Yeah, and I guess I guess by going on the gulag, he also, uh, he has to forfeit all of his goods, because he, he's not sent with all of his guns or anything else, right? Right. Very true. Yeah. That would have been quite the thing. <laughs> and they took some of his clothing away, too, did they? Yeah. Yeah, his robes and cloak. Pieces, yeah, he was yeah. just wearing his pants and his t-shirt. And his hair. Right. And his hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost a cloak of its own. Holy, At least they let him hair. keep his jacket. 
<laughs> At least they let him keep his jacket. Yes. So I want to go back to the life imprisonment punishment because next up is that one specifically with an 11.8% chance of a result. Now, there was that question. How does life imprisonment compare to underworld? How does it compare to hard labor? I suspect that they probably have a, and I'm using finger quotes here, a jail hole, some sort of place where if you get life imprisonment, they throw you in there and then they just kind of leave you. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would make the most sense. They can't afford to have a prison mm-hmm. where people just stay in cells. Right. The reason that there is underworld to work at or hard labor is because things need to get done. Mm-hmm. And they don't have a lot of resources to pay people or trade people goods for their services. So they force people into it. Yeah. It feels like prison is a luxury that Bartertown can't afford. Yeah, if you go out into the wasteland and say, hey, if you go to Bartertown and break a deal, they'll throw you in a room with a cot and you're given water and bread every day. There are people out in the wasteland who'll say, wow, that sounds like an amazing deal. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the biggest problem with the life imprisonment angle is, I mean, it has to include hard labor or being in the underworld. I would like to think that their version of life imprisonment is very akin to, I think it was Batman The Dark Knight Rises, the third one with Tom Hardy in it, where Bruce finds himself in a giant pit with other prisoners. Like, I imagine it's a jail like that. Yeah. Where everyone just gets tossed down there and they have their own little economy that kind of builds naturally. Right. Kind of forgotten about. Yeah. So they have their own little underworld. How horrific is that? I mean, Barter Town's already a rough place, and then you're going to take the worst of the worst and throw them into a, into a hole in the ground. Oh, that's that's brutal. Because it's, it can't be typical prison because there's no there's not going to be caretakers. There's they don't they can't afford that. So it's got to be yeah. You just you're thrown into some place where you fend for yourself and last as long as you can. The inmates running the asylum. Yeah. I don't think you could necessarily call it Underworld. You'd have to give it some sort of, like you call it Holesburg. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pittsville. Yeah. <laughs> Pittsville. <laughs> Pittsburgh. Yo. Oh, oh, there you go. <laughs> I found the idea of this fascinating because once you put more than one person down in this hole, so you've got two people, well, they're going to start divvying up responsibilities <laughs> like okay you clean the waste and i'll find clean water well there you go you have a society and then the third guy comes along and they divvy things up a different way and that's barter town that's it's the same thing just underground and you can't leave yeah you could also have a situation where you get tossed into life imprisonment and then there's just one crazy guy. And as soon as you get into prison, the guards are like, all right, have fun in prison. Goodbye. And then, yeah. you know, the crazy guy skitters out from the corner and shanks you. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Does he then eat you? You know, it's the For first nourishment. apocalypse. That's what I think would happen is they'd turn cannibalistic down there. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, they're not going to waste their food. They're not throwing food down to them. No. Yeah. It'd no. be like some sort of wasteland vampire situation. You know what? Maybe it would be called Underworld. Is Kate Beckinsale there? <laughs> there you go. But I think given how everything seems to be overlapping, I like the you're thrown away and forgotten about angle for life imprisonment yeah. the best. Yeah, it, it makes sense. And I guess it's a little a little less uh, of a spectacle, though, than than death, with which I'm guessing would be more of a public execution. And this is more just like, you know, throw you in the hole and forget you sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, but they could probably make that getting thrown in the hole situation very theatrical. I'm thinking bring in Zach. Snyder for that one <laughs> and have Gerard Butler walk up and be like oh hey life imprisonment goodbye kick. kick him in the chest oh. down he goes <laughs> Dr. Dealgood's gonna shove people in with his big staff just sort of like knock him over the edge he'll give a big flamboyant speech probably in rhyme about you know the whatever undertown is and then little poke with the staff and knock him down the hole I like it it better be in rhyme <laughs> I hope they put the big heads on them, though, when they get kicked down into uh, into this pit. And that's a department for the hard labor team to (laughs) constantly be making these giant paper mache heads. And then the bungee. You got to have the bungee on them, too, because you've got who's making all that stuff in Thunderdome. They've got those big elastic straps. Now, that might be fun. Just life imprisonment is just a life 
bouncing up and down eternally with a big paper mache head stuck on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I, I, I don't know how I feel about that one. <laughs> Bouncing eternally with a giant mascot head certainly sounds better than the next punishment. With a 10% chance of result, you've got Underworld, which we've been mentioning on and off. Yeah, seeing Pig Killer, I think, gives me a false sense of this isn't so bad. Because mm-hmm. he's so cheerful. Like, there are pros and cons to Underworld. Okay, what, what are the pros to Underworld? The pros of being sentenced to Underworld, you've got interesting co-workers... <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yes. Okay. You get time off for Thunderdome matches. It, okay. Like when a big fight's coming, yeah, you exactly. go up on the okay. surface. I was wondering yeah. about that. Yeah. And a roughly two to three year life expectancy. <laughs> that doesn't sound so bad. Yeah, yeah that's true. The first thing that came to mind was that you actually get to do something useful. Yeah. I was doing a lot of reading about gulags for obvious reasons. And there are some theories about the gulags that... The hard labor that they were doing wasn't actually needed. They were just doing hard labor for the sake of making the people work. Mm-hmm. Mm. And just for the pain and the strain of it. So actually getting to do something useful with your hard labor, at least you get to produce something. Yeah, you take a little pride in your work. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess you know that as much as you're shoveling that, you know, that's going to make sure that there's power, lights and other things that if you if you're not doing your job, you're not contributing yeah, your, your life's going to be more miserable as opposed to meaningless labor, which regardless of whether you do it or not, your life is miserable here. Well, at least if I shovel, I know we're going to have lights down here. So that that is a positive, yeah. And I, I feel like the people down in Underworld, like when a pig dies, they're probably the ones who have first dibs on getting the bacon before anyone else even knows it's dead. <laughs> and that's a you win for me. think the other pigs get to it first? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like the other pigs yeah. get to it first, well, yeah. That's, that might be, yeah. There are drawbacks to Underworld, certainly. You've got the smell. Oh. You've also got the temperature. I'm sure it's very hot down there, which, hey, in the wintertime, and it's really cold outside. It might be nice to be warm inside. Oh, yeah. But during the summer months, it's probably unbearable. You've also got the fact that there are like three, four hundred pigs down there. Exactly. Yeah. It's not quiet. Oh, yeah. It's noisy. <laughs> it's full of disease. It's just, you know, it's going to be a, a, a ripe, ripe place to be in. I can't even imagine. I'm guessing that the two to three year life expectancy has something to do with the constant handling. Oh. Unprotected <laughs> handling. Yeah. Of animal feces. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I know we'll talk more about that in uh, later in the week, but, uh, you know, just, just the, uh, the amount of feces that's in there. Uh, it's just, it cannot be a fun place to be in for more than uh, even a couple minutes, I don't think I could handle. And, uh, you know, for, for Pig Killer and Master Blaster and everyone else who's down there, it's like, man, they, I mean, I guess you're in it long enough, you're kind of immune to it, maybe? Yeah, you get uh, desensitized but, to it, yeah, yeah, I imagine. I certainly yeah. hope that nose blindness is a thing that yeah. happens if you spend a lot of time in Underworld. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Coming in right behind Underworld with a 9% chance of result is possibly the best option that you could possibly ask for on the wheel. And that's acquittal. Basically, just being let go with no punishment. And it's surprising that that's not the smallest slice of this pie, because I would think that uh, maybe they were not exactly very giving about that. But then maybe it's one of those things, Auntie's just like, you know, I've got to make them feel like they've got a better chance here, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you're giving people a chance to tempt fate and break themselves against the law, you've got to give them hope for something. Exactly. Yes. Right. But not too much hope. Right. Right. Only a 9% (laughs) chance. Yeah. I'm pretty convinced that acquittal would be the Lord Humongous's favorite option because then the person who rolls it would just walk away. <laughs> and it would bring an end to the horror. <laughs> that brings up a question that if a deal breaker spins acquittal and just gets to walk away, what happens to him next? I mean, does he get to return to just being an average citizen? Well, yeah, he's been acquitted. Right, but the court of public opinion, is it going to be for him or against him? Are we talking about OJ at this point? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have to think, people have to respect the wheel. 
because they they have to maintain some sense of order and authority because if somebody's acquitted and they walk out and then you know the mob just you know jumps them and rips them to pieces then there's no respect for the authority of the wheel mm-hmm. and and that that's going to lead to chaos so i think there is that promise of hope and that you know you you live again another day but the odds are stacked against you, so you probably don't want to try and get away with this again because you may not be so lucky next time. So I, I think it is a lesson learned, and to me, at least, it seems that there is a matter of respect for the decisions of the wheel based on just the, the order that we see that Auntie has uh, established in town. That, that everybody is excited about it. You know, they're cheering. They they are excited about the wheel. It's entertainment, and sometimes you're not always happy with the results, but if you don't respect it, that, that le- way leads to chaos and, and, and madness and disorder. It does make me wonder if, I mean, because Bartertown, I mean, the way that a town like Bartertown is going to work is it's, it requires people to be coming and going, right? I mean, you can't just have everybody within Bartertown just trading each other all the time. So it's like, it's it's got to have this constant flow. So acquittal makes me wonder if, you know, you're acquitted, but it also includes like you're banned from Bartertown or something like that, where you're acquitted, but, you know, sh- out the door you go. Yeah. I imagine if you are acquitted in a broken deal situation, the first thing you'd want to do is put a little bit of distance between you and the person that you broke the deal with, mm-hmm. because they might be so upset that they go to auntie and be like, listen, I'm really upset with this person who broke the deal. They were acquitted. I want to now fight them in the Thunderdome. Yeah, right. Yeah. Huh. I wonder if maybe there's a double jeopardy type rule. Like mm. once you have spun the wheel for a particular crime or a particular deal broken, you cannot then be repunished for a different aspect of that same crime. Mm. Like you can't get called to Thunderdome because the original victim didn't feel vindicated and now wants to take you for a fight. But I also wonder, like, how far outside of Bartertown do their rules apply? Like, if you're, like, so far out of Bartertown, it's like, okay, well, you're not in city limits anymore. And so you just kind of follow them out of city limits, and then you can take them there. Yeah. Technically, it's essentially like going into international waters. As soon as you leave the protective wall of Bartertown, as soon as you leave the influence of the Bartertown guards, it's wasteland all around. There's no justice to speak of. It's just lawless. And no one will know. You just leave their body out there. and. (laughs) So as a deal breaker whose reputation is now soiled, probably nobody will make a deal with you. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. So you leave town, but if your victim is mad enough, they'll just follow you out. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Wasteland justice. Yeah. Just because you're acquitted by the law doesn't mean you'll be acquitted by the public. No, I mean, they could they could brand you. You're acquitted, but we're going to mark you in some way that yeah, you're a deal breaker and you, you got off. You know, you got lucky this time and you got off, but we're going to we're going to brand you. We're going to mark you some way so that people know not to make deals with you and basically condemn you to. You know, you have to go find someplace else, but you're no longer welcome here. Mm. Which could be just as devastating as something like losing your goods. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Kind of feel like the acquittal wedge should have been labeled something different, like branding. That's a dark a dark path, but I wouldn't have put it past George Miller if it was on here. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping with some sort of alliteration, the next option down on the list is amputation with 8.5% chance of result. Ooh, I'm glad that one is only 8.5. That is gruesome. You know what's equally gruesome is the fact that it says amputation, but it does not specify what will be amputated. Or how. We could <laughs> be we could be talking about a finger a hand a forearm an entire arm could be a leg a foot or something a bit more sensitive going yeah. back to that discussion of <laughs> forfeiting goods like now I, I this is such a small you know wedge of the entire you know wheel but i don't recall and Maybe you, you've seen, are, do we see any members of the population of Bartertown that appear to have had any significantly visible amputations? Do we see people, you know, hobbling along on one leg or without an arm or part of an arm? Is that anything that, is? I, I look, I mean, there's there's mobs of people, so it's hard to pick that up. But I didn't see anything played up or, or emphasized that would lead me to believe that, oh, this is a frequent occurrence in Bartertown. Hmm. Nothing's coming to mind, which seems very reasonable because those people are going to die of infection. Mm. Right. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Let's get some- That is almost a guarantee they're going to die. 
I'm going to use this saw to cut off your arm. Let me just uh, rinse that off in this water. Oh, whoops, it's that radioactive water. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> spit on it. it, may, well, it yeah, well, just, you, maybe if you're lucky, it'll grow back as a tentacle. But, you know, otherwise, yeah, you're, you're looking at an infection and probably death within a couple of weeks at least. Yeah. Good point. A gruesome, painful death. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because thinking back to, uh, isn't it the the first Mad Max where somebody loses a, a body part, right? And uh, I don't think it went well for him, as I recall. No, oh, crud, what was his name? Well, he wanted his hand back. Kundalini. That's right, he wanted his hand back. That's, <laughs> yeah. what, that's all I remembered is they're chasing him. He wants his, his hand, hand back. back. Yeah. Kundalini would like his hand back. He did not look good by the end of the movie. No. Yeah. Very, yeah. very bad. The way he lost his hand, having it literally torn yeah. off at the wrist by a steel chain, yeah. probably didn't help. But it's an amputation. That's what they might do here. <laughs> would you rather have your hand sawn off by somebody who may not do it quickly, or would you have it ripped off quickly? Oh, jeez. Oh. That's a Sophie's choice. That's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd rather have it done quickly. I guess so. I just I just yeah. keep thinking of him in that movie and I'm like, it didn't it oh. just went so downhill for him so yeah. fast. I, it is. I mean you're gonna die either way. Yeah. yeah, right. Because in neither movies is there a great presence of medical care. Yeah, yeah. right. Ugh. But the idea of having somebody with a saw who may have a hard time doing it, who may do it slowly, who could get the saw jammed in your oh, phone. Oh, oh. The saw may be dull. Oh. They may do it in any number of other ways. Yeah. No, I it may look like it hurts more, but it would be quick to have it just ripped off by a speeding away car. Oh yeah, we're gonna amputate your foot by having the pigs just slowly eat your foot off. Yeah, that's just (laughs) oh. Oh, yeah. Julia, if there's one thing I love about you, it's how you sell a hypothetical. (laughs) It was it was poetic. It sounds so vibrant. (laughs) Following amputation on the wheel. With the next highest chance is the gulag with a seven percent chance of result it is not the lowest option on the wheel there are actually two below it but we are getting through this thing so the gulag which i did a little bit of reading julia did a little bit of reading and i think the most interesting thing is that technically we're saying it wrong and everybody in this movie is saying it wrong because it's pronounced closer to gulak with more of a gk combination sound and i'm sure there's going to be people that are fluent in russian that are going to be correcting me but it turns out that gulag or gulak is an acronym for glavniu pravlenya gire uh or also the main camps administration or chief administration of collective labor camps in the soviet union it is an agency that was created under Vladimir Lenin and reached its peak during Joseph Stalin's rule in the 1930s to the 1950s. The term is commonly used in English language to refer to any forced labor camp in the Soviet Union, including camps that existed in post-Stalin times. Here, in this movie, it would seem that gulag is more akin to exile, as we will soon see. Yeah, it's like they remembered the word from from long ago, uh, but they didn't remember what it meant. You know, it's just like, oh, that's that sounded like a big, scary word. Let's use that. <laughs> yeah, my hypothesis on this is from the point of view of the people who didn't go to the gulag, that this person just disappeared. They yeah. just went away and were never seen or heard from again. Yeah. Like, did you hear what happened to Comrade Vla- <laughs> Comrade Vladimir? Yes. Government came, put bag on head, and then he disappeared forever. That Russian accent went Mexican at the end. That's why I don't do accents. <laughs> it's very multicultural. That's <laughs> one word for it. <laughs> But yeah, the idea that someone is there one day and then something is put on their head and they are whisked away and never seen or heard from again. I love how they they then transferred the memory of putting a bag on their head to putting a giant uh, paper mache head on their head. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, so absurd. I love it. Below that on the wheel, we've got the spin again option, which is only slightly less at a 6.9% chance. The The inclusion of a spin again option is either genius or infuriating. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's extremely if sadistic. you are an observer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you are expecting the wheel to show a punishment and it lands on spin again. You as an observer are going to be furious. It's going to be infuriating. If you are someone spinning the wheel of your own power, then landing on spin again is technically an option for you to take a hold of that wheel adjust how much effort you put into spinning it, and maybe try for the acquittal space. Yes. Hopefully yeah. you've been on the showcase showdown on Price is Right, and you just really know how to, you know, manipulate that wheel. Just give it a little extra something to get into the next zone. Exactly. Yeah. That's how I see it, at least. Yeah. Wow, that is foolishly optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> well, Julia, given that the other options are life imprisonment and forced labor and whatnot, I will take any shred of positivity I can <laughs> okay. in this situation. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's no hidden spaces like on Wheel of Fortune of like, oh, well, you spun. Let's take that tile off. See what you really want underneath. Oh, underneath the gulag. It's actually a trip to the beach. No, that's they're, they're not. <laughs> that's not that kind of wheel, unfortunately. That would have been great, though. I would have loved to see that. Find out where the gulag actually is. You're heading off to an oasis with children. <laughs> oh, I'll take the forced hard labor. Yes. <laughs> the final spot on the wheel with a paltry 5.3% chance is the spot simply entitled Death. Um, now, you Death. You could argue that a lot of the things that we've already talked about are essentially a death sentence to begin with, but the death spot specifically, there's no question about exactly what's going to happen afterwards. Yep. I imagine that they would be put to death right then and there. Oh, yeah. I don't know, because they like to make a big show of everything. So I'm thinking this moves to a secondary side stage for another performance because we've got <laughs> break the deal, spin the wheel. OK, now you've spun death. So now we're going to have to have, you know, Dr. Deal do another intro rhyming some type of chant for the crowd. You know, thinking of what rhymes with death and we can be chanting or they're cheering for their favorite methods of death because there's not a lot of entertainment in Barter Town. So it seems like they're going to take every opportunity to turn something into a horribly evil and sadistic game show whenever they have that opportunity. So it might be easy to just swing the axe and, and behead them right there. But I'm thinking they've got so many implements of torture and death around there that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if like, OK, now we're going over to the death wheel. And we're going to find out how you're going to be killed. <laughs> you're going to spin. You're going to, it's like tic-tac-toe or it's like, um, oh gosh, what was that? Uh, the game show with the uh, whammies and the, the no big whammies, board. No whammies, no whammies. No whammies, no whammies. Stop. And you find out exactly how you're going to die. I would love to see a barter town version of that little yodeling hiker game from The Price is Right. Where you've got to. Try not to fall off the edge. It's going to stop on a certain punishment. And if it ends up going up over the edge they just throw you off a cliff and that's your death sentence <laughs> yeah or you've got plinko of death where you're going to take that big disc and slide it down to see which slot it falls into <laughs> or better yet they've taken the plinko idea and mashed it together with a guillotine oh, so that they drop a giant saw blade at the top of the plinko <laughs> and you're down there at the bottom just plink, 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 and then shot. Think they fill the other slots with yeah. other with with spectators? All the other people who have uh, hit death on the wheel. <laughs> Who's going to die this week? Oh, wow. I like the idea of a slow death, because then that would give Max the opportunity to cry freedom. <laughs> He's got the hair for it. Oh, that's right. That would have been great. Speaking of Max, we're still pretty early on in this minute. There's not a ton to minute 40, which is why we spent so much time on the wheel. Because we're looking at Max, we got a slow zoom on him as he watches the wheel spin. We cut over to Auntie, we cut back to the wheel, we cut to Max, we cut to Auntie. It's all very dramatic. All very dramatic. Very dramatic lighting. And that's the one thing that I never thought about till revisiting it, which is as the wheel spinning, we see light moving across Max's face. And I, I looked at that wheel and said, that doesn't look like that reflective of a surface. It almost looks like the light is coming from under the wheel. And then, of course, I'm thinking, well, now I'm just breaking this down and analyzing this far too much because we're in barter town. It is a great <laughs> it is a great creates great tension and gives that sense of the wheel spinning. But practically, I'm thinking there's no light source for that. There's no where's the light source for this light on his face? Uh, <laughs> well, that was that was what I was. Kept, I kept thinking that, too, because I'm like, why? Why would they go to the lengths of putting a light under the wheel to shine up at the victim's face? <laughs> 
that's dramatic emphasis. That's yes, the it, logical it reason. It, it looks great. It looks great on camera, and that's the only reason you need to have to do it because this is Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, and it's going to look cool, and that's really all that matters. It, with, with the, when it comes to this, you got you know Mel Gibson standing there with his dramatic hair and light moving across his face as he is waiting his his fate. And for anyone that was keeping track of the numbers that I was saying, I'm going to say that the remaining 0.4% that is unaccounted for in my estimations, that's the little spaces between the punishments. Oh! So, there we go. now it adds up to 100%, everyone can go home happy. There it is. <laughs> I have one last question about the wheel itself and the percentages Somebody had to decide what got what percentages. Mm -hmm. And they had to make a decision that Auntie's Choice and what else had the big percentage? Hard labor. And hard labor got the biggest percentages. The crafting of this wheel could not have been easy for them. They don't have a lot of the modern cutting and welding tools that we have now. So making these wedges and having them line up so nice and having them be specific percentages, it just seems implausible. <laughs> How about that impeccable lettering as well? This isn't like somebody sort of scratched <laughs> these letters in there. This is sort of like, it's like, I, I'm sure there's somebody out there that can tell us exactly what font this is, but these letters are nice, <laughs> crisp, legible letters. And I thought, who's, well, maybe that's the hard labor is, Right, you, you've right. got it. You're you're working on the next wheel, and we need these letters perfect, and they need to be this font and this size, and these we, these options need to be these exact percentages because that's the hard labor that you're contributing to Barter Town. Yeah, modern tools <laughs> make processes fast. They don't make them possible. You know what I mean? Mm, okay, so I did a little, very little, tiny bit of research about welding. Mm -hmm. And in that research, and I, I didn't do enough research to really understand what's going on, but I am pretty sure that when you're, I think it's called weld cutting, when you're weld cutting metal, mm -hmm. you need oxygen to do that because you have to get the flame up to a certain temperature. Mm -hmm. So they would need a source of oxygen, not just air oxygen. They need actual tanked oxygen. They can do it with methane. It's not as hot as acetylene, but they can still do it with methane. But really what's getting me is that O2, that yeah. they do not have it. Mm -hmm. So how they cut this metal, I don't know. It just seems incredibly implausible to me. <laughs> Well, they, they could have cut it with methane, which maybe had rougher edges. But then again, you know, we, we do have countless hours of manual labor to get things down to that perfection. And maybe it took them, you know, 10 years to get this wheel to, to where it is. But, you know, with, a, with enough people working long enough days and hours, you, you could, you know, this isn't something rocking out over the weekend of like, hey, let's just uh, put that wheel together. This uh, seems like it's been going on for a while, uh, Barter Town. So, yeah. Walk up to one of your hard labor workers, be like, here's a soft piece of metal. Rub it up against this rock until it's the proper <laughs> shape. <laughs> and that's your hard labor job. But there you go. And the edges yeah. were certainly not clean. No, they had a little bit of a rough edge to them. Yeah. Which was obviously done on purpose. Like, production-wise, they obviously built this wheel and then roughed it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> As we go along, the wheel eventually slows... It almost looks like it's going to land on Auntie's Choice, but it actually stops on Gulag, which I'm sure Max was hoping for just a little bit more oomph for it to go past Gulag over to Acquittal, and I'm sure Auntie really wanted it to stop on Auntie's Choice because Max personally wronged her, and I'm sure she would have loved to have punished him specifically according to her desires. Oh, see, I think the opposite. I think she didn't want it to land on Auntie's Choice because as it stands, the extent of what the deal was is not widely known. She's not going to feel any repercussions or her reputation isn't going to be hurt because most people don't know what the deal is that he broke. But if she then has to punish him herself that's going to stir the pot mm. to the point where things could come to light as to what she did. So I think she doesn't want it to land on Auntie's Choice and she's satisfied with the gulag. Yeah, I would assume that gulag is a, is a, is a, a satisfactory choice because I'm guessing he's probably the first person to have returned from the gulag. I'm guessing everyone else who's landed on that option has gone out into the desert never to be found again. Right, right the way they're supposed to. And if Max knows what a gulag is, then he's probably dreading it, but saying to himself, well, it's not death, it's just hard labor. But if he has the same understanding as the general populace does, 
that is essentially exile. He's probably also okay because he's essentially going to be set free with challenges. <laughs> but this is Max. He can overcome those challenges. So I'll bet Max is feeling not too bad. Mm -hmm. Well, things are certainly starting to lighten up because as we get this lovely shot of Auntie standing on her platform, there's a slow zoom, but we get to see that the sky behind her has actually started to lighten up with the dawn. So that tells me that they spent all night either partying or doing Thunderdome stuff. Yeah, it was like a long night of Thunderdome. And then obviously they had to, you know, when they decided to do the whole thing with the wheel, they had to take a break. Mm -hmm. They had to roll the wheel in, get everything set up again so they could begin with that. So it took some time all the way up until, yeah, the sunrise as, uh, as Auntie uh, kind of gives her smile of approval. Mm -hmm. And it's that smile that's going to wrap this minute for today. So we're going to put a pin in things. We're going to come back on Wednesday. But before we do, Andy and Steve, why don't you tell the lovely people listening where they can find more of you two? Absolutely. They can uh, head on over to thenextreel.com and uh, or, or tune into the podcast on any uh, podcast uh, podcatcher that's out there. Uh, and yeah, just to tune in, listen to us talk about uh, any of these movies, the Mad Max movies or anything else. And for those younger listeners, a reel is something that held film <laughs> that movies were on before they were digital hard drives that were sent to movie theaters. So. Oh, that was just a sad thing to have to oh. think about. <laughs> As for us, we have a fun day ahead of us on Wednesday. There will be sun, there will be sand, and our hero will get to go out into all of that tied backwards to a horse. It's kind of like 1963's Beach Party, except it's absolutely nothing like 1963's Beach Party. <laughs> The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. And our outro music is We Don't Need Another Hero by MilitiaVox of MilitiaVox.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com where you can check out our Tee Public storefront by clicking the store link join our patreon by clicking the support link or make a one-time donation by clicking the donate link thank you for joining us for minute 40 of beyond thunderdome we'll see you next time <laughs>